Welcome to Australian Hiker. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 38 of the Australian Hiker podcast. This week's episode titled, The Ten Essentials, How Relevant Are They? Now, if you're one of these people that uh, trawls the internet and reads all the hiking magazines, particularly coming from America, you'd be familiar with the term, The Ten Essentials. The original Ten Essentials was developed by the Seattle-based The Mountaineers, uh, and they were designed to allow you to survive in typical conditions found in the northwestern USA. And the twin purposes were that they allowed you to respond to an accident or an emergency and also that you could spend a night or more out in the open if necessary. So if something got wrong, you got lost or you got trapped, uh, you'd actually have the equipment that could carry you through safely. For the conditions for which it was designed, that's to say potentially cold and wet environments, this list met its intended purpose. But can there be just one list of items that you can carry on every hike Or should you be assessing each hike on its own merits and judging by the potential issues to let you decide what equipment you're going to take? Today's podcast is going to look at the 10 essentials as it stands today. And we're going to go through and discuss whether it's applicable to Australian conditions and whether we should take a more tailored approach. And finally, I'll share my 10 essentials to give you an idea of what I carry. And I think one of the things that we need to be thinking about is that that 10 essentials list is, uh, you know, it stood the test of time, but is there the potential for new gear and new practices to be able to substitute and replace some of those things on that list? Now, what are the 10 essentials and what's your view? We recently undertook a survey on Facebook to see what you, our listeners, went through and decided out of the items on the 10 essentials list, what were the critical ones that you should carry? So we're going to go through and discuss these in relation to how you rated them on our recent poll. The first one is first aid supplies. Now, 91% of you decided that first aid supplies should be carried on every hike. And this is not really unexpected. I think most people are fairly safety conscious these days. And even if it's only carrying band-aids or something fairly minor, that sort of counts in this sort of situation. The more complex and therefore the higher the risk regarding distance, remoteness and environmental factors, the more comprehensive my first aid kit becomes. But I'll always carry something in relation to first aid equipment. My view on first aid is that you keep it simple. Um, and you definitely don't carry anything that you don't know how to use. Um, and the idea is to get out of uh, the situation rather than necessarily perform uh, complicated medical procedures. So, you know, for most purposes, Band-Aids and some bandages would probably be enough. 
The next item on that list is hydration or carrying extra water. And again, just on 91% of people decided that carrying extra water was a critical item to carry on every hike. So particularly given Australians' harsh, fairly dry conditions on average, not all the, all the time, um, it wasn't really unexpected that we most of us will carry water uh, and, and probably extra water than what we think we're going to need, particularly on hot days. Um, and from my perspective as well, it's not just a matter of about uh, carrying water to keep you hydrated. I don't particularly want to pick up any bugs or germs. I've had Giardia in the past. It's not particularly nice. Uh, so I prefer to carry enough water to carry, th- carry me through my hikes uh, or if need be, enough clean water at least anyway. We were hiking recently uh, in Namiji National Park and I think the thing that surprised me was that we had everything from, you know, quite serious hikers based on uh, how they were kitted out to uh, to perhaps inexperienced hikers through to uh, trail runners and uh, probably the, the ones in between were the ones that weren't really carrying a lot of water um, and it was a pretty long day by the time we... Uh, started the walk and and finished the walk uh, did surprise me but you know I, I I guess not everybody has the same view about the need to carry water and I think the other thing to consider is do your research on your chosen hike if you're just walking up the local hill or mountain and you know there's a um, a water fountain up the top there it's probably not so critical but having said that, I do just that uh, a number of times uh, through the year on my, on my local mountain. There is a water fountain up the top there. I know that. But on really hot days, I will carry water going up the hill uh, because you can get uh, dehydrated in the matter of sort of half an hour on very hot conditions. I think it's also hard to suck in enough water <laughs> from a little spout <laughs> after you've done a bit of a hard workout. <laughs> All right, the third one on our list is nutrition, carrying extra food. And this rated at 90% uh, of of hikers carry food or extra food uh, on their hike. Now, food is very important to me. I get grumpy when I'm hungry. (laughs) Yes, Uh, he does. (laughs) And and my attention span also drops. So, and again, at least from my perspective, if I'm starting to focus on the fact that I'm hungry, what that means is I'm not really paying attention to the trail and I can actually make mistakes. So I'd rather be safe than sorry and have a bit of extra. I, um, I give you an example. I did a, uh, a walk over to Mount Bimbury just before Christmas last year. Um, it was a fairly big day, just on 54 kilometres in a single day. I had enough food for me to cover me through the day and into the next day, just in case I did have to overnight. Um, it was a better safe than sorry sort of thing. Um, I didn't want to sort of have to spend the night out and not have any food. I, I think on um, food and water, they're the two things that I don't mind carrying. Just a little bit extra, um, just in case. And usually I don't like coming back from a hike with things that I haven't used, um, but I do make the exception for food and water. Number four on the list is sun protection. And again, Australia is considered a harsh climate and we have the worst record in the world for skin cancers. Um, so we are actually number one at something. Um, <laughs> uh, and, unfortunately, and unfortunately, it's, it's not a particularly good thing to be number one uh, for. 
Uh, I've spent most of my life working outdoors, uh, and particularly as a as a as a teenager and in my early twenties, um, I didn't have particularly good uh, sun uh, care. I didn't use sunblock. I didn't tend to wear a shirt. Um, I'd be toasty and brown, uh, and I think I'm sort of starting to pay for that now uh, as I get older. So basically, we want to make sure that whatever. Equipment we carry, and the old adage or the old advertising program we used to have in Australia was slip, slop, slap, which was slip on a shirt, slop on sunscreen, and slap on a hat. Uh, and again, for those of you who have no hair like I do on my head, I, I don't like getting sunburn on my scalp. It's not particularly pleasant. So I'll always wear a hat, even during the the colder months of the year. Uh, and if I'm not wearing a hat, I'm wearing a buff. Uh, just to go through and keep me protected. Although most times I generally prefer a peak cap, it just keeps the sun out of my eyes. In addition, I'll wear sunglasses. Um, and um, again, just so you don't have to go through and squint. And, and again, I've got the sort of face you can see that I have been squinting a lot of my life uh, because I have been outdoors without sunglasses for a lot of it. And sometimes you end up looking like a panda, but that that's okay. <laughs> Big, big white eyes rather than big black eyes. All right. Number five, carrying a light. Now, again, this is a just in case. Uh, for the average hiker, you're probably not going to need this. Uh, and I, I must admit, for me, it's probably not something that I, I ever worry too much about. But um, if the if you are going into an unfamiliar area and the hike is potentially going to take longer than you thought it might or you started a bit later – it's better to have a light and be on the safe side. There's nothing worse than having to hike on an unfamiliar trail that's very difficult. And again, a good example of this that I'd go through and talk about is the Larapinta Trail in the Northern Territory. I like night hiking, but I'd probably recommend not hiking on the Larapinta Trail at night. There's just too many trip hazards and rocks. And again, you don't want to be walking on that sort of trail without a light. Uh, so it's better to have that just as, as extra. And it can be something fairly small like the Petzl E-Light or one of the other little smaller lights that uh, a lot of ultralight hikers tend to use. Number six on our list is insulation or extra clothing. And 74% of our, our, our poll participants went through and decided that this was an extra thing that they carry on most hikes. And this can consist of several items. Now, for me, unless it's summertime, I'll usually have a layering system that'll keep me comfortable down to around about minus 7 degrees Celsius. Now, I don't go stupid, uh, but I, as I said, I've spent most of my life working outdoors in very cold environments. Uh, I don't tend to feel the cold like most people. Uh, so Jill is an example. She does feel the cold. She'll have extra layers on, uh, whereas I'll be wearing a single layer or a T-shirt uh, even during the, the cooler months of the year. I think the interesting thing is that um, I will have extra layers and probably similar layers to Tim, but there's no way it would get, take me down to minus seven. <laughs> I, I think I'd be a frozen ball by then. <laughs> uh, and this, you know, this can also include things like rain gear, it can be, be down jackets, it can just be a second layer. Have a look at the weather conditions, see what what is forecast, and see what can also happen as well. Um, you might find that uh, it gets very rainy, very cold, or uh, if you haven't been paying attention to the weather, uh, a blizzard comes through and you've gone from being 
a cool sort of day to a freezing day and you're not prepared for it. And I think also certain parts of the the country, certain um, uh, terrain is prone to uh, changeable weather conditions, whereas other parts aren't so changeable, you know, in some parts... Uh, where you'll be hiking, what it's like in the morning is the same as what it's like at the end of the day. Uh, that generally is not the case in the mountains. So, you know, you do need to be prepared and you need to be anticipating what the weather's going to be doing. Number seven on our list is navigation, map and compass. Now, the numbers are starting to drop here. Only six, 62% of our poll recipients uh, said that they carry a map and compass on every hike. And I'll fess up here and be honest. I don't carry a map and compass on most of the shorter hikes that I go through and do. Uh, and again, I know I can probably hear the purists screaming at me, they're saying that it should be carried on every hike. But really, it's a matter of using a bit of common sense. If it's a short hike, if it's well uh, signposted, um, uh, it really there's no, there's no real need to go through and do that. If it's a longer hike in a remote area, uh, there's no signposting. I'm not likely to see anybody. Different situation. Uh, so um, I tend to carry a GPS. I don't use it for navigation. I use it just to go through and log my uh, my hike, just to get the information off it. Uh, but worst case situation, I could always use it to get back to my starting point. Um, now, we've gone through and talked about uh, navigation basics in the past, and a lot of that tends to be around the lines of paying attention to where you are. If you walk blindly, if you don't look at what your, what your surroundings are, if you don't think, well, when I turn around and come back, um, I'm going to go past this tree or this particular rock, um, it's, it's, that's when you tend to have issues. But on short hikes, when you're first starting out, it's not so critical to worry too much about it. As I said, it's when you start doing the more complex hikes. And I think um, when you're doing complex hikes where you're a little bit more off trail and if I think about the Lara Pinta Trail and also the Overland Track um, you'd have to be trying really really hard to get lost so even on Lara Pinta um, at over 14 days uh, that we were uh, hiking it, it it really would have been really difficult to have lost our way. The the information was uh, so thorough. The uh, signposting and the the trail signage um, was regular. Um, so even then, it depends. Number eight on the list is fire. Now this is one that um, I probably do on. I don't do on most hikes. Uh, and again, we're, the numbers are starting to drop here. Only 59% of poll respondents said that they should carry fire on all their hikes. And this is in the form of matches, preferably waterproof matches. A cigarette lighter is pretty common these days. Now, I do love sitting around an open fire, but I just can't be bothered when I'm out hiking. You've got to go through and collect timber. Uh, you've got to go through and make sure the timber's dry. Uh, Typically, in a lot of cases, the timber you're picking up off the ground has animals and insects and all sorts of things living in it. Um, and I do do a lot of hiking in wilderness areas where you're not allowed to have fires. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and again, good example is the Larapenta Trail. Fires are not allowed on the Larapenta Trail, although when we did our trip, we did notice the odd fireplace here and there. 
and you you've really got to be desperate because there's not a lot of fresh timber around to find it. The amount of exertion you have to do to go through to find timber to to, to put a fire together um, is just not worth it. And it, frankly, it leaves a mess. You know, I prefer not to see it, particularly in those places that you're not allowed to do it. But I do carry a um, uh, either a, a cigarette lighter or matches, particularly when I've, uh, I'm going through and hiking and I've got a stove. My stove has a, an automatic starter on it, but sometimes they just decide they're not going to work. Uh, and if you haven't got something to provide that spark, you're not going to be able to use the stove. So just as a bit of a backup. Number nine is the emergency shelter. Uh, and this is really dropping here. Only 40, 40% of people suggested carrying an emergency shelter. Now, remember, this is based on the American Northwest, which is not so warm as, say, the uh, Victorian or uh, southern New South Wales or Tasmanian uh, uh, climates can get, but it certainly can get fairly cool without necessarily having snow. It can do certainly in some areas. Uh, I went through and had a look at the uh, the weather conditions for Seattle, um, and they're really not as bad as I would have expected. I would have expected, you know, six foot of snow and that sort of thing, but uh, certainly in some of the states it does get there. So an emergency shelter, as I said, I tend to carry enough clothing, not on all hikes, but certainly if it's in wintertime and I'm, I'm going to be in remote areas where I'm, I'm covered down to fairly cold conditions. Having said that, though, if you are hiking in snow conditions, that's a different matter and it should be treated with respect. Um, hiking in snow, definitely want to be carrying emergency shelter. Now, lucky last, number 10, repair kits and tools. Only 25% of respondents said that they carry repair kits and tools on every hike. I keep my gear in good working order and will only carry a repair kit when I'm doing longer hikes. If I'm just going out for the day, I tend not to worry too much about it. I can, if something goes horribly wrong, if I break a shoelace, if, uh, you know, if my track, my pack strap breaks, but I'm not, I'm going to have warning on that. I can see it. I'd be able to see that it's fraying and do something about it. Um, I can generally get away with it for a day or so. But when you're on a, a week or a two week long hike, you need to have some spares just in case. Now, we, another question we asked in our survey was what other things, apart from this 10 essential list, do you think it's worthwhile carrying? And we've gone through and put a, a detailed list on the written version of this article. Um, and I won't read the whole list, uh, but there were a number of repetitive uh, uh, items that were, were picked up. So things like personal locator beacons, GPS, a knife or some sort of multi-tool, um, signaling devices and uh, mobile phones were all things that were recommended amongst others. Uh, we also had a couple of odd things because we did the question that I did ask was what items would, would you carry? And the two strange things we had come up was common sense and third-party knowledge of your track. Which is not so strange when you think about it. They're just not items. <laughs> it's very, very pertinent, just not items. And when we're talking about third-party knowledge, it means let someone know where you're going and tell them you've come back. Now, these are both very important points and something that should be practised as well as developed. Now, my 10 essential list. So we've gone through and talked about what the 10 essentials are uh, in relation to the Mountaineers. Uh, but, you know, from my perspective, um, I don't necessarily carry uh, 
all those items on every hike. Uh, for me, part of the list, I've got half the list that I do carry on every hike. Half the list is something totally different. So I'm just going to go through quickly and talk about those. And I'll talk more in depth about the things that are different and why I carry them. So extra water, uh, always. Uh, I prefer to carry, you know, for every litre of water, you're carrying a kilo. I don't like running out of water. I think it's potentially dangerous. Um, if I know there are water sources on the trail, that's fine. I don't have to carry lots. Uh, but I have done hikes where we've had to carry two days worth of water in 35, 36 degree Celsius temperatures. And you're not going to get away with two litres worth of water there. You know, you need a fair amount of water and as such a fair amount of weight. Extra food, as I said, I will never run out of food on the trail. Uh, if anything, I'm guilty of carrying too much, but that's my preferred state of being. First aid supplies, I'll always carry some sort of first aid supplies, and it, depending on the hike, it will depend on what I carry. So um, I've got a picture on the, um, the, the written version of this article that shows you my first aid kit. It's not particularly big, uh, but it will cover me for... Uh, most common uh, accidents and injuries, uh, and I'm able to uh, improvise on the trail if need be. So you don't necessarily have to carry a lot of things. You can sort of get away with some things and just you know, use sticks as splints or something along those sort of lines. Water filter. As I said, I've had Giardia in the past, and I never, ever want it again. And for those of you that have had it, I'm sure you probably agree. I don't go anywhere without a water filter, ever. Uh, my um, my pack and my bladder has a built-in soya mini filter. Um, so even when I'm putting water out of the tap at home, it's being filtered. Uh, what this does mean is I can pretty much pick up just about anything, at least in the Western world, and fairly and be fairly safe. Um, if you're in rural areas where the cows have been defecating. Uh, near the water source. Sometimes you have no choice and I'd prefer to have a filtration system in play. Toilet paper and trowel. Uh, and that's probably an obvious one for most people. It's important. <laughs> it's important. Because <laughs> you never know. You never know when you have to go. It often amazes me on some hikes, uh, particularly the Larapinta Trail at the end of the season, there's a couple of campsites there where you just don't want to stay because people have gotten really lazy. They haven't dug holes. They've just put a rock on top of their, to their used toilet paper. Um, people don't want to see that. Small trowel, uh, toilet paper, worthwhile carrying. Now, camera. Uh, for, uh, now, I suppose this is one that uh, I carry for a couple of reasons. I carry a fairly compact sort of camera. I also take photos with my phone. Um, but uh, for me, that's for a couple of reasons. One, I like to think about, look back and think about what that hike was that I did last year. And that, you know, the hikes tend to blur after a while, so it's good to be able to separate them. And when doing uh, write-ups of hikes, I take an awful lot of photos. So the, the weekly hikes that I post on the website, I take probably around about 60 or 70 photos uh, on every hike and just whittle them down to sort of, you know, the, the odd 20 photos that I'll put up on each hike. Now, we used to take a couple of SLRs when we went hiking. Um, we'd still love to do that, but the weight was just too much and we decided it wasn't worth it. So these, you know, little digital cameras are just fantastic. And now, certainly the model that I've got, it actually fits in my pocket, which means that I can get it out very easily. 
again, I, I think I really can get better photos with an SLR camera, and it's just because I know how to use it and I know what the features and functions of it really well. But it is extra weight, and apart from the extra weight, it's also the issue of stopping, getting it out of the camera, the bag, taking a photo, putting it back in its bag, putting it back in your pack again. I know there are mechanisms where you can clip it on front of your pack. I don't like doing that. I just found it, it tends to throw my balance out a bit, uh, and it just tends to bounce around too much. So I prefer to have the smaller compact camera. Having said that, though, we're doing a week-long hike at Christmas this year. I will take an SLR camera. Um, you know, we're not pushing ourselves particularly hard. I, I think, you know, carrying the extra kilo and weight, uh, I think I'm willing to make that sacrifice because I know I'm going to get some good shots. Personal locator beacon. Um, anytime I go on a hike and I do not have mobile phone uh, signal, I will carry a personal locator beacon. Uh, I've never, uh, ever had to use one, uh, and I hope I never do. Um, but for the sake of a couple of hundred or two or three hundred dollars, um, I think it really is an item that's worthwhile getting. Um, you, it's not a, a be all and end all. You know, you need to be able to have the skills to get yourself out of situations. But sometimes things just go wrong that are outside your control, no matter how experienced you are. Um, uh, and a good example here. I hike in a lot of very remote wilderness areas around Namaji National Park and the Bimbury Wilderness. Some of the areas you can only describe as snake infested. I've had trails where I've seen five or six snakes in the space of about 10 minutes, uh, and sometimes you don't even know you're there. I've had brown snakes slither over the top of my feet, uh, and you just stop and just hope they don't decide to get upset about it. Um, but you know, on the, on the, just on the odd chance, when I'm hiking by myself as a solo hiker, um, it's just that extra bit of insurance. You can certainly in uh, areas where you have mobile phone signal, that becomes your beacon. But you need to know whether you have a phone signal or not. The other one, as I mentioned before, was GPS. Uh, and I always do carry GPS, not for navigation, just to log my hike to get the details and the information so I can do, do track write-ups more than anything else. Uh, you can use them as an emergency, you know, if you do get lost, uh, to get back to where you started from. Uh, but um, ideally, you never want to rely on only a GPS. Uh, if the batteries go flat for whatever reason, and I had that happen to me the other day, I... Uh, I went from a full set of batteries, uh, and I find my GPS in particular, it goes from full to almost running out in the space of a day uh, after having sort of three or four days worth of signal. So if I'm on the third or fourth day, I'll often have carry a set of extra batteries with me as well. Now, last words, I suppose. Hiking is one of those activities where there's no one right way. There's also not one list of items that you can take on every hike. So as we said at the beginning of this episode, the 10 essential list, one of the problems I tend to have with it is people talk about this is the 10 essential list and this is everything that we have to carry on a given hike, doesn't matter what it is. But when you think about it, this list was designed for the American Northwest uh, and that's fine, that's what it was intended for. But when I see articles written on this or write-ups on the web, that is never discussed. 
So you've really got to think about what sort of hiking are you doing. If you're hiking in deserts, so again, Larapenta Trail, we had temperature variations from zero degrees to 32 on, on any given day. So you start the day with a down jacket on. By the end of it, you sort of strip down you know, to shorts and a T-shirt, yeah, providing you've got, got the sun protection. So from my perspective, there really is no one ten essential uh, list. Uh, and I think, as I said, I use half the list, so that the water, the food, first aid, sun protection, uh, and extra clothing, that I will carry uh, on every hike. But the others, others part of the list, it tends to be, it depends on the hike that I'm doing. I think it's a good place to start. Um, but I, I would also add that, you know, start with the list of the 10 essentials and question, you know, question what you're doing, question what you really need um, and take things off your own list um, or even add other things. And as I said, when we asked uh, our uh, listeners, what what they were interested in and what they thought were essential. Um, there are a whole bunch of other things that they came up with as well. So, you know, it, it's about modifying it to to suit you and to suit the conditions that you're going to be hiking in. So, as as we said, really, this is a list that needs to be tailored. So, use the ten essential list as a starting point, and as Jill said, think about what you're including and why, uh, and you'll soon develop your own. 10 essential list that you'll have ready to go for every hike. Okay, so that's all on the 10 essentials for today. We hope it's been uh, been uh, useful for you and I hope it's been something to consider. And as we said, don't automatically use this list as the be-all and end-all because in most cases there isn't just one list of 10 essentials. Consider it for each hike. Now, in our recent newsletter that we released um, over at the beginning of the month, we went through and talked about uh, a few things that are coming up for Australian Hiker. Uh, we turned one on uh, the 11th of November this year. Woohoo! Uh, uh, and um, as we lead up into that, we've got a few things that are going to be happening that'll be uh, be special, I suppose, more than anything else. We've got a few challenges for you to to get involved in. Um, and we've got a few changes that we'll be making to both the podcast and the way we do things. Uh, and also we've got um, additional sections to the website, which we're going to be launching over the next year. Um, we've been sitting on a couple of sections, mainly to get what we have up and going and getting a lot of the uh, the articles written. It's really hard when you write a uh, launch a website and you've only got sort of six six articles written on there. So we've uh, we've actually built that up to being reasonable across most of the categories we've got open at the moment. Um, so keep an eye out for those in the, the next couple of months. Uh, certainly, we hope to uh, uh, release the first of our new components of our website towards the end of September. Uh, we have a date, but I know how things work with, uh, with uh, internet sites uh, and websites that uh, sometimes things just go to plan. So again, keep an eye out for that towards the end of the month and we'll provide a bit more update as we go. 
And we'd also like to thank everyone who's um, provided comments and feedback and who's engaged with us along the way. Uh, we certainly take all of that quite seriously. Um, if you've got any thoughts of things you'd like to see or uh, things that you know you think should be different, let us know um, because we definitely are listening and we're modifying things um, in accordance with, with uh, the guidance you're providing. All right. Uh, we our next podcast is actually a bonus podcast for uh, September, uh, and we're planning on going down to the Wollongong region on the New South Wales south coast and to interview uh, Bushwalk the Gong, which is a local blog and uh, local uh, site that's doing some pretty terrific things in that part of the coast. Uh, and I'm actually heading down there with Jill to. Uh, uh, interview Janae this Saturday. So I'm looking forward to that. As always, this podcast is available for download on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, as well as through our website and SoundCloud, as well as a number of other podcast catches that have picked us up as well. Uh, if you'd like to help us along, please go through and rate us on iTunes uh, just to help get the message out there. That's all for today's show. I hope you've enjoyed. Bye for me. And bye from me.